I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. On today's episode, I'm covering one of the most important sabermetric stats that you can use to help make decisions about batters in your league. I'll talk to two members from my own fantasy baseball league, and I'll cover my third mock draft. Let's get into it. I'm going to spend the next few weeks covering batting stats, so let's start with one of the first things I go to when I look for good hitters, and that's hard contact percent, otherwise known as hard contact rate or hard hit rate. Basically, the stat shows how well a ball is being hit by a player. It's divided into three categories, soft, medium, and hard contact, and what we want to focus on is hard contact because that shows the percentage of the best hits by a player. The contact is measured through an algorithm developed by a third party, and it takes into account hang time, location, and the general trajectory of the ball. And I know that's a mouthful, and I don't really even know what I just said, but this stat matters, and that's what's important. You also need to make sure you aren't looking just at hard contact percent, because it doesn't give you the full picture, although it's an important piece of it. Keep listening next week and I'll add another stat to use and it's basically going to be like building a puzzle. If you're looking for this stat, there's multiple avenues in researching it. Start by going to fan graphs and doing one of two things. First, you can go to the top left search bar and type in a particular player's name, or you can select leaders from the top right side of the page and in the drop down menu, choose batting and the year you'd like to research. So starting with option number one, let's use one of the best players in baseball, Mike Trout, as our player to search. We'll use his stats as our elite production numbers. I can find his hard contact percent by either scrolling down just under the player bio and selecting batted ball, or I can just scroll farther down the page to the batted ball section of the page. In 2019, Mike Trout's hard contact percent shows nearly 44% of all his hits are hard contact. That's elite level, though not actually the best. Though you must take into context other stats, which I'll cover in the next couple of weeks, this is a great place to start. And knowing what the best player in baseball is doing in this area is a good starting point and it's a barometer to measure other players. The other option is to look at the leaderboard, Then choose the position to research if you want, and just above the list of players, choose batted ball. Once you've done that, you can click any of the stats to sort for the leaders. So now that we know how to find the stat, let's understand why it's important. And to do that, let's talk to my first guest from my fantasy baseball league, Jeff Malish. He's a two-time league winner. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Nice to be here. Uh, so my first question for you is, do you use sabermetrics and like advanced analytics when you're scouting and trading and working the waiver wire and stuff like that? Yeah, and uh, my two main stats that I do use for analytics so when I'm looking for that are uh, BABIP, or batting average for balls in play, and uh, FIP, or fielding independent, independent pitching, excuse me, uh, for pitchers. Um, so uh, I use that for pitchers to take into account uh, pitching without involving any bad luck or bad defense behind them. I think that, that usually gives you an idea of how well pitchers are actually pitching. So that's one that I usually uh, look for if it's available. So that's FIP for pitchers. 
and uh, kind of con- uh, continuing the, the train of thought with your, uh, your conversation about hard hit balls, uh, BABIP or batting average for balls in play is what I focus on for offensive players. Uh, I think the league average for that is around 300. So if I have an offensive player that has a career batting average of around that, but they have a bad BIP of even higher and it's consistently like that, I know that they're always going to be delivering uh, solid production offensively. And that's probably a good uh, saber metric to go by for general offensive uh, consistency. Yeah, both of those I'm actually going to get into in later episodes of the podcast. Great. But I actually look at BABIP in conjunction with with hard contact percent. So are you familiar with hard contact percent? And, you know, uh, what do you know about it? Yeah, it's only come, really come around, I guess, as far as uh, my awareness of it for, for fantasy baseball purposes, only in the last you know, couple of years, because uh, I, I don't know how long they've been tracking that. Um, but it seems like it's pretty directly correlated with uh, BABIP. Um, obviously, as as it would imply, the harder to hit a ball, the more likely you are to have a higher batting average of your balls in play. Um, and I think like regular league average, like I said, was around 300 for BABIP. But I think on hard hit balls, it goes up to like 450 or something close to that. So, I mean, the harder you can hit it, the more barrel you can get on that ball, generally speaking, the better offensive production you're going to have. Yeah, exactly. And like basically the way I use it is to tell me who's hitting the ball well most of the time. And so like I use it for finding players who may be hitting well, but maybe you're getting unlucky. Um, so like looking at BABIP in conjunction with hard contact, you know, if a player has a 50% hard hit rate, but a 170 BABIP or something, I can assume they're hitting into some bad luck, but you know, they're still, um, they're still hitting the ball well. Absolutely. Right? And, and so uh, my way of doing this is, is like, I'm looking at hard contact to see who the best hitters are and you know that gives me like targets for trades and waiver wires who to start and sit and most of the guys on the top 10 of hard contact are are not really surprising sure so who do you think is in the top 10 of hard contact rate so i kind of put a little list together of 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 my best guesses for this and i think i've got a couple of them pretty solidly but then beyond that it gets a little bit more murky um but uh, I think my top three, I think, are pretty solid. I would say uh, Miguel Sano, um, Aaron Judge, and Nelson Cruz. Um, beyond that, uh, my guesses were uh, Shohei Otani, Jorge Soler, Josh Bell, Marcelo Zuna, Christian Yelich, Rafael Devers, and Ronald Acuna. You have three of the top ten. Okay. So Nelson Cruz was uh, number one from last year. There we go. Um, so no, surprisingly, and uh, Judge are not on the list. Really? Interesting. Um, that might be out of, like, qualification okay, that's status. Um, but so the, the top 10, you have uh, in order Nelson Cruz, Christian Yelich, Justin Turner. Then you got Matt Olson, Cody Bellinger, Marcelo Zuna. Then Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. Fran Mill Reyes, Goldschmidt, and Donaldson. Goldschmidt is surprising to me with the relative down year that he had. Yeah, and, you know, it, he was a guy last year that I was so on the fence about. Yeah. And I think you had him. And I was I was on the fence about trading with you to, to try to get him because the, the underlying stats said he should have been doing 
a lot better than he actually did. Absolutely. Yeah, he'd been a keeper for me since I think I drafted him or maybe the year after I drafted him. And I thought that going to St. Louis, he at the very least have more RBI opportunities and have a little bit more protection in that lineup. But uh, yeah, he, he went down almost across the board statistically last year. And a lot of that, surprisingly, I guess, didn't have to do with his contact rate. Yeah, I'm wondering, I'm going to look him up real quick. Uh, I wonder if there were some other things going on that um, may have played into his uh, his decline last year. So he did have a lower BABIP than his career average. Um, so that could have been something. Let's look at his contact numbers. Um so he swung. So what, some other stuff that I'm going to get into in later podcasts is uh, there's uh, plate discipline numbers. So his swinging at pitches outside of the zone, he, he swung at a higher rate okay. of pitches outside of the zone and swung at a higher rate of pitches uh, inside of the zone than he has. And he actually made more contact with pitches outside of the zone, but fewer inside of the zone and had a higher swing and strike rate so maybe you know his pitch selection wasn't so great last year or maybe he was facing pitchers that he wasn't used to seeing in a different division potentially yeah, yeah. okay um but that explains a little yeah. bit one other guy who i was surprised to find when i looked on there was fran mill reyes yeah so last year i picked him up because i noticed that his hard contact rate was high last year um you know, he was a great sort of sort of buy low guy. And I think he's going to be a good buy low candidate this year, whenever, whenever the season starts. Absolutely. Um, but it was so crazy last year. He, he hit so many home runs, but uh, had a hard, you know, it, it, it didn't play out in his RBI or run production. No, I think a lot of them were either solos. And that, that, that's kind of the, the argument about Babbitt is that, you know, generally speaking, you want it to be a hard hit fly ball if you want to get a home run out of it. And that's probably the least common occurrence out of the possible, you know, hit percentage and either line drives, fly balls or, uh, or ground balls, you know. So he was probably a, a product of somewhat, I don't want to call it bad luck, but it seems like, you know, like, I think only like a third of his, a third of his hits were home runs or almost. So, I mean, he was either crushing the ball or probably not doing much else, else with it. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering if part of that is playing in in San Diego's lineup, uh, or or maybe his batting order in that lineup, and and I wonder how that's going to change in Cleveland yeah, now. Yeah, um, from an, an, an anemic offense to a, a very potent one. Yeah, and and the park factor too sure. could could play into it as well. Yep. Um, so. Uh, transitioning, who is one of your most uh, must-have players this year? Yeah, so this is someone that I've tried to grab in almost every draft that I can over the last, I guess, four or five seasons. Uh, it's it's a very unsexy name, but uh, and he's a guy that might get a lot of uh, hit-by-pitches this year, um, but it is Michael Brantley. Uh, this is a guy that I've had on my team uh, almost every year that I can try, either in this league or some other leagues that I'm in. And uh, just some, some quick stats on him. Uh, in the five healthy seasons that he's played, including his rookie year, uh, excluding this is excluding 2016, where he only played 11 games, and 2017, where he only played half the season of 90 games, um, his five-year average for his five years where he's been healthy have been 81 runs, 38 doubles, 17 homers, 84 ribbies, 50 walks, a 308 batting average, an 837 OPS, 
and to tie right into the theme of this episode, uh, 320 Babbitt. So his uh, batting average uh, with balls in play is 12 points higher than his actual career batting average. So while his hard hit percentage might not be that high for someone that we're looking for on, on a episode about hard hits, his BABIP is high. And I think that's a very valuable player to have is that his, his consistency throughout his career has always been there. Almost every single season he's been playing, his BABIP has been over 300, which is, which is a, a sign of really good consistent hitting. Yeah. And like, so like for me, for me, uh, hard contact rate is like uh, Wikipedia. Sure. Like I'm starting there and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use it to do all of my research, but I'm, I'm going to use it as a starting point for all the rest of my research. Right. And so, like you said, he's definitely not elite. He's, you know, with hard contact, but he's actually been like really mediocre yeah. over his career, but uh, he did improve last year. Uh, he improved his home run to fly ball rate, which is also something else that I look at. And he's super, super, super consistent, like you said. Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, what I see is that he's putting the ball into the air. He is turning a lot of the balls he hits in the air into home runs. And uh, he buoys his good numbers, uh, or what, what buoys his good numbers is pitch selection. Yeah. And that he's hitting the ball to all fields. Yes, absolutely. He's a very versatile hitter. Uh, again, he's not someone that's going to win your league for you, but if you can grab him as your third or fourth outfielder and just plug and play him every day, he'll, he's never going to hurt you, and he'll 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 help support your the bottom half of your of your starting lineup with some just overall solid numbers. So I think that's a guy that's maybe not again the top of a, of a target list, but if you're in the tenth, you know, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round, and you're looking for your third outfielder, fourth outfielder, that's a name that could you could stick right in the in the top of your list there. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people still have, like, what, like 2015, 2014 Michael Brantley in sure. their heads with, like, injury risk and, you know, uh, a, a guy with a lot of upside. But he's shown the last few years that he can really produce, and I definitely agree. He's he's a, a, a really solid target to have uh, as, as, like, a third outfielder. Yeah, sure. All right, Jeff. Well, uh, this was... A lot of fun. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the Anytime, podcast. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Next up, I have Nick DiStefano, another manager from my fantasy baseball league. Nick is a two-time league champ. He has the highest win percentage of any manager in the league, and he has the league record for most wins in a season. Nick, thanks for joining me. Thanks. I, I didn't know I had all that stuff. Somehow I uh, know what the heck I'm doing. Not sure how. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's kind of cool. So I want to start off by asking you the same thing I asked Jeff. Uh, do you use sabermetrics or like um, advanced analytics when you're scouting, trading, working the waiver wires, starting, sitting, that sort of thing? And if so, what's some of the data you look for? Um, some of it I do. Some of it I don't. Um, so yes and no to if I use it. Um, I'm a big fan of BABIP. Um, I really look at things when I, when, and, and that's for both pitchers and, and hitters and how that, that works for me. Um, big fan of, um, I guess I, technically it's, it's a sabermetric, but K per nine and, and uh, walks per nine inning. I think that's important to look at. Um, really, it just depends on who, who I'm specifically looking at. Um, 
you know, some of it too, for me is, is about the position and is if there's scarcity at, at that position and how much we're, I look at it more. So I would say Taylor, when we're talking about trades, um, more so than when I'm scouting, I feel like there's all this scouting. Now we're looking at a million people uh, and it's all projections and thoughts off of last year. Um, so I don't look at it as much in preseason as I would in season. So it's interesting you talked about Babbitt. Jeff Jeff talked about the the same thing, uh, how that kind yeah. of influences his um, uh, um, scouting and, and different things. And that's actually something I'm going to get into um, in, a, in another podcast. But yeah, for sure, um, uh, definitely definitely something to look at. Um, yeah. So also. Two, I would say one other stat that I'm, I'm a big fan of is home run to fly ball ratio um, and the difference there. I think that that can be important. To yeah, look that's, at. that's something uh, uh, I'm going to talk about with, with one of the players uh, I'm, I'm about to bring up. But again, you know, something I'm going to go over in the future. Cool. Um, so are you familiar with hard contact percent? Um, what do you know about it? Yeah, so um, familiar with it. Um, one of the things I think that's really interesting about it is when you look at that, then looking at a player's ground ball percentage, um, cause from my understanding, hard contact is just literally how hard you hit the ball. I think it's what do they say? 90 or 95 miles per hour off the barrel or higher usually is they consider that hard contact, right? Am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. I think so. There, there's like a whole algorithm of things that go yeah. into the type of contact and yeah. I just kind of like trust the math. Yeah, right. That. They say this, this is what they're hard. So I think it's interesting because if you're hitting the ball hard, but you're hitting it on the ground, that's not as useful in fantasy, obviously, as if you're hitting the ball really high. And then when you also add in things like home run to fly ball ratio, that impacts hard contact as well. Because I don't care if you hit the ball hard, if you just have a really uh, low home run to fly ball ratio and you're hitting a bunch of home run or hitting a bunch of uh, fly balls, then what's your hard contract rate at that point doesn't mean anything to me yeah exactly i uh you know one of the things that i look at uh you know i take i take hard contact as like a part of the puzzle yeah and, sure and so one of the, one of my go-tos after hard contact is line drive ground ball fly ball ratio yeah perfect um uh so i wanted to i, I went over the top 10 in hard contact percent with Jeff, I want to go over yeah. the bottom 10 in hard contact with you. Ooh, okay. Who were some of those top 10? So top 10, uh, some of, some of them are a little bit surprising. Some of them, not so much. Who are um, the surprising ones? Cause I can imagine some of the top 10 are people like Nelson Cruz dudes that are like just smashing the ball, right? No, Nelson Cruz, number one. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, um, Fran, so who else, is, who Fran, else is up there? Fran Mill Reyes was number eight. Um, oh, wow. Gold, okay. Goldschmidt, number nine. That's surprising. Um, I thought they were interesting. And somebody that we're going to talk about in a minute, Matt, Matt Olson is uh, number four. No shoot. No way. Really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Nice. So bottom 10, I think are pretty, pretty not surprising for the most part. Um, you got Hanser Alberto, okay, uh, Victor nope. Victor Robles, Malik <laughs> Smith, Kevin Newman, uh, Yomer Sanchez, Larry Garcia, Jonathan VR, Adam Frazier, Jose Iglesias, and then I think the most surprising person to see on here, number ten, Wilson Ramos. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, he usually hits a decent amount of home runs. I guess they're probably just a bunch of like softies that barely make it over the <laughs> the fence, right? Yeah, I, I thought That's it was wild. really, really strange to see him on there. And kind of like what you were talking about, you have to look at the the uh, other pieces to the puzzle, right? His ground ball rate is 62%. Oh, dang. Yeah, so for a guy, you know, a lot of us think of as like a, a big guy, a power guy. Um, a lot of the balls he hits are on the ground, and a lot of them are not hard contact. Well, then it makes me think too, like what's his what's his batting average? You know, it's probably not that great, right? Because um, his batting average is just hitting into a bunch of, and I know that's not a uh, obviously a sabermetric or an analytical stat, like something that people are looking at, but I think that's something to consider as well. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's one of the if you're in a five by five league, yeah, it's you, know, you have to you have to look for it. But absolutely. Um, so for me, you know, I, I'm using this to kind of like stay away from guys like Malik Smith and Kevin Newman and and Iglesias and and VR, and like I'm also taking into account all those guys have right around fifty percent ground ball rate. Well. But it's interesting because I would I would want to know what their their BABIP is on some of them too because some of those guys are your speedsters. They're going to be top five, like VR and Malik Smith are probably both going to end up top five in steals. And with a category that's so scarce, they'll probably go higher up in a draft. People will t- reach for them because they want to make sure they get steals. When in the reality is they – I barely hit the like when they're hitting the ball. If they're not hitting it that hard, the reason they're getting on base is just because they're quick. Yeah, and um, and you know, steals are the only thing that these guys are producing. Exactly. And you know, that's not something that I'm willing to reach for. But if you know, if other if other people want to in, in the league, that's great. But have at it, guys. <laughs> I would rather have two or three guys on my team who are going to steal between ten and twenty. You know, average. 15 14 steals um you know like that's why that's why i love lindor because he's he's probably going to steal 15 20 bases maybe but that's fine that's good i'd rather have several people like him than guys two guys or one guy who can steal 30 bases i think it's silly when people are reaching for it especially knowing that their hard contact rate is so low i'd rather have a three to five category guy than a one category player amen every day (laughs) and for sure the the one player on here that I think I would draft, and not because I'm partial to Washington Nationals players, but uh, is Victor Robles. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking for some other things, uh, looking at some other things rather. He you know has a pretty decent um, line drive to fly ball rate, so he's not one of those guys who's like hitting it straight into the ground and. He has a pretty decent um, home run to fly ball rate for a guy his size. So I think he's, he's also uh, he's, well, also when you look at, and I think so many people think about this in, in fantasy is the, the upside, you know, is just as a younger player, you know, he's, he came in as just such a hot prospect. He could put it all together at any minute. So um, that's surprise. I'm surprised that he's on the bottom 10 in terms of hard hit rate. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if that is going to change over the next few years. Be interesting to watch for sure. All right, so I wanted to also talk about one of your uh, must-have players this year, 
and uh, you told me before that that's Matt. One of them is Matt Olson. For sure. So what are your thoughts on Matt Olson? What is driving you to uh, prioritize him? Um, so a couple things, a couple of reasons I'm interested in him. Um, one of the reasons I'm really interested in him is honestly looking at our league makeup and who I'm projecting myself that others will take in terms of keepers. And when you look at first base and kind of um, who's there, I think first base pretty much drops off after Matt Olson. Um, it's debatable where that kind of tier is, but I think that he's probably the last of the potential to be um, – potential to be top 40 um you know he's 25 years old he hit what 36 home runs last year 91 rbis i think could very easily push that up to 40 100 um his batting average is better than than guys who are hitting more home runs than him you know if you look at him compared to someone like chris davis he's 20 points higher in terms of average um his ops is pretty solid um, yeah, I'm, overall, I'm just impressed with him, but after more so than anything else after him, I feel like it just totally drops off. Yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's definitely really, really close to being in that like top, top tier first baseman. Mm-hmm. I, I think the thing that's keeping him out of there is pitch selection. Mm-hmm. Um, he strikes out a lot. Yeah. And, and once that kind of, or if it kind of shifts, you know, he, he's got everything there to be, like, insanely, insanely good. Uh, sure. You know, 20, 24% home run to fly ball rate. So, basically, a quarter of the balls that he hits in the air are turning into home runs. And he hits, yep. he hits 44% of his balls in the air. So, you know, he's turning a lot of his hits into home runs. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, great hard contact rate. Um, and I didn't realize that about him. That's that's uh, um, interesting. I thought he was, you know, make. I wouldn't have put him in top ten. I would have said maybe like top forty. I would just didn't think he was hitting it that hard. Yeah, I, I think you're looking at like a, a, a very, very, very good first baseman with you know the potential to be a top five first baseman. For sure, um, he he reminds me a little bit of like a like a Pete Alonso from last year. Um, obviously, he's been in the league longer, um, but I, I think he's he's definitely got that potential to to jump up a level. Oh, I agree. I agree. Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining me. All right, thanks for having me. Let's do this again. Um, talk about some uh, other st- statistics. So now that we know about hard contact rate. We have an understanding of what it measures, why it's important, and how to read it. Let's find a player who's surprisingly good here and maybe flying a little under the radar for this season. One player like this is Jorge Soler from the Royals. He had elite level hard contact last season. His hard contact rate has improved every year. He's decreased the number of ground balls he's hitting and increased the number of fly balls. And 28% of his fly balls are turning into home runs. That means production. This is a player to watch and definitely to target in your draft this year. Speaking of, let's look at my mock draft number three. The ESPN draft analyzer did not like this draft very much, but I actually did for the most part. 
I'm finding that I'm liking first base at the top of my draft outside of my first four keeper rounds. Uh, and then I went best available afterwards. I walked away with Charlie Morton next, followed by Josh Bell for my corner infield spot. I would have liked Luis Castillo next, but went Keston Hira instead because Castillo wasn't available. But then I went back to back with pitchers, selecting Chris Paddock and Yu Darvish. I figured they kind of balance each other out. Darvish has some ERA risk, but a lot of strikeouts and Paddock would help to lower my team ERA. I went with some batters next, Muncie at third base to round out my infield, and then Soler to add pop and uh, Ramon Laureano to add speed to the outfield. I'm not elated by the relievers I got. It's just kind of the way the draft shook out and who was available at the time. I walked away with Brad Hand, Hector Neris, Archie Bradley, and Hansel Robles. I also chose Sonny Gray and Robbie Ray in the last half of the draft, uh, two choices I'd be extremely happy to get in an actual draft. Both have a lot of strikeout upside. Sonny Gray seems back to form, and Robbie Ray has a lot of potential. It's also kind of expected that Robbie Ray gets traded this year, and I'm guessing he's going to be a prime target for a contender. I waited until my second to last pick to finish out my outfield, which was not something I really chose to do. It's not something I'd like to do in my actual draft. I got J.D. Davis from the Mets. You know, They could have a potent lineup this year, and he could be good, or he could just be okay. Um, I see this draft as having a lot of balance with power and speed, and I think I would be one of the top teams in the three power categories each week. Uh, I think I would put myself in a good position for winning strikeouts every week, but I need a way to get better relievers. And if that means drafting them earlier, I'll do it. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has helped. Next week, I'll be covering the stat BABIP and how to use it to analyze batters. Thanks for listening.